0: From high atop 107 Columbia, where the temperature is soaring, the sun is out, and the flowers are beginning to bloom. Yes, it's springtime. Welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. And we have a very special one today because we want to discuss the effect of the new legislation allowing for the introduction of photographic identification at trial in the context of CPL 60.25. Now, for many years, CPL 60.25 had limited use because it was only applicable in cases where there had been prior corporeal identifications. But with the advent of the new ID legislation, CPL 60.25 can now be used in cases where there have not been any corporeal identifications, but only mugshot photo identifications. So, this is great news in a lot of jurisdictions, and it should not be overlooked in preparing and in practicing criminal law in New York State. So, let's take a look at it right now. The term bolstering is used in many contexts during a criminal trial. When used in the framework of identification issues, it refers to a witness's testifying about another person having made an identification of the defendant. This is usually labeled improper or impermissible bolstering. One of the basic rules of trial evidence is that a witness is not permitted to testify that another person made an identification of the defendant at an out-of-court identification procedure. See, for example, People v. Mobley, a court of appeals decision from 1982. So, for example, a police officer present at a lineup is not permitted to testify to the fact that a witness identified the defendant in that lineup. There is a major exception to this rule. When a witness, due to a lack of present recollection, is unable to make an in-court identification of the defendant, but is still able to testify that he or she is sure that the person that he or she identified at the out-of-court identification procedure was the person who committed the crime, another person may be permitted to testify, probably a police officer, to the fact that the person the forgetful witness previously identified was the defendant. This type of testimony is permitted pursuant to CPL 60.25. When the proper foundation is laid and the previous identification procedure is ruled to be admissible at trial after a Wade hearing, this normally impermissible hearsay is admitted as evidence in chief. A conviction can be based on this type of identification evidence alone. See, for example, People v. Naval, a 1974 Court of Appeals decision. And also, People v. Lagana, a 1975 Court of Appeals decision. Until the passage of the new legislation permitting the introduction of mugshot photo identifications, CPL 60.25 was not applicable to mugshot photo identifications because they were not admissible at trial. Witnesses at a trial were and are generally permitted to testify about previous corporeal identifications that they made of the defendant as long as the previous viewing was done, quote, under circumstances consistent with such rights as an accused person may derive under the Constitution of this state or the United States, CPL Section 6030. Until the passage of the new legislation permitting the introduction of identifications made from mugshot photo IDs at trial, a witness was not permitted to testify about a prior mugshot photo identification she or he made of the defendant, and there is voluminous case law supporting that holding. Many jurisdictions do not conduct corporeal lineups and only use photographic identification procedures. In such cases, prior to the passage of the new identification statutes if the witness could not make an in-court identification of the defendant due to the passage of time and a lack of present recollection cpl 6025 was not available to secure the in-court id of the defendant because the people were not permitted to introduce evidence of that mugshot photo identification at the trial In such situations, if the witness was not able to make the in-court identification, the case might well be lost due to a lack of an identification of the defendant, such as in a one witness robbery case. The amendments to CPL 60.25 that went into effect on July 1st of 2017 now permits prosecutors whose cases may only have mugshot photo identifications to introduce those identifications where the procedures that were conducted meet the guidelines enumerated in 6025 and other sections of the CPL. With this ability to introduce these photo identifications, you will then be able to now use those identifications in the context of CPL 6025. For example, suppose the victim of a robbery makes an identification from a photo array of the defendant as the robber. At trial, the witness is not able to make the in-court identification of the defendant due to the passage of time. The witness is able to testify, however, that he or she is still sure the person he or she selected from the photo array was the person who committed the crime. Since the photo array is now permitted to be introduced as evidence at the trial, the police officer who conducted the procedure will be able to testify that the witness selected the picture of the defendant and make the identification of the defendant in the courtroom. This is the same procedure that would be followed if there had been a corporeal lineup. Be sure not to overlook this new addition to the use of CPL 6025. Because we're dealing with new law and we're dealing with the addition of mugshot photo IDs as direct evidence in the people's case, you can be assured the defense will attempt to prevent the use of 6025 In the introduction of identifications from these mugshot photo IDs when the witness is unable to make an in court identification, you should, however, be prepared to treat this in the same manner you would as if there had been a corporeal identification, pointing to the same cases that you would for a corporeal identification, and arguing to the court that the rationale behind the preclusion of the photo identifications is no longer there and therefore the use of 6025 is equally applicable to corporeal as well as photographic identifications. As this new area begins to be litigated at suppression hearings and evidentiary issues at trial, please be sure to contact us and let us know any difficulties or rulings you have from your courts that will assist us to assist your colleagues in dealing with these new issues of identification. Our thanks, as always, to our crack producer and ID maker extraordinaire, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, enjoy the new spring weather. Be well and stay ready, my friends.